This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your kindness, for your faithfulness. We say thank you. Lord, we know every time we come at your feet to learn, you have a word for us. Lord, I pray that you will speak to every heart today. Lord, that you will glorify and honor your name, even in our lives, in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, reveal Christ to us and teach us the word. Christ himself is the word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was was God. So as we look into the word of life today, uh, mighty God, please speak to us. Holy Spirit, teach us the word of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So today we're going to continue uh, on the series that we started on honoring God, uh, but I will not entrap myself like I did last time. You know, went into a review of the previous sermon, and then that took half the time, and I couldn't really proceed. Uh, so if uh, you would like to catch up, which I think you should, uh, you, can, you can listen to the sermon. We have uh, Podbean. Uh, you can listen on our Podbean. Uh, we're also on iTunes. You can listen on iTunes as well. And the sermon notes are in our church app. I think one of the things that might be good for us so that we have one-stop shop, uh, I hope the IT folks are listening, uh, I think we should house everything within our app. So it's not they take the sermon notes here and then they have to go uh, somewhere else to listen to the sermon. We have that feature, let's, let's use it. So today, as we start today, we continue with the uh, talking about honoring God in our relationships, in our relationships. And I want to start by making a statement that whatever you do not honor or appreciate or regard cannot bless your life. It is just a statement of life. Whatever you don't appreciate, whatever you don't regard, whatever you don't honor cannot be a blessing to your life. Uh, this can be a parent, can be a spouse, can be a gift, <laughs> can be a skill. You know, that God has blessed you with, you ignore it, you don't appreciate it, uh, it's not going to be a blessing to you. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, and I'm reading from the common uh, contemporary English version, contemporary English, English version, it says, give honor to your father and to your mother so that your life may belong in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You can say, oh, that's the Old Testament, but this is repeated several times in the New Testament, all right? But what I want you to see here is it conditions honoring your father and mother. It says, so that, you know, I'm not, English is not my first language, but I know basics of English. It says, honor your father and your mother so that, it means what is coming after the so that, right? requires what was said before the so that. So if I don't honor my father and my mother, I don't get the benefit of what the so that is saying. 
is consequent upon it. That's what he's saying. Uh, the New Living Translation uh, says, uh, uh, then you will live long. It's a condition. It's saying, honoring your father and your mother is a very important thing, and it is, uh, there's a blessing attached to it. David, you read through the scripture, David honored the wishes of his father. He honored his father. Uh, uh, David, as we know, he was the last born, but the last born was the one on the backside of the desert. And, you know, Bible scholars have said all kinds of things about David. I didn't look like the rest. He, he was very different. He was the product of a one-night stand, all kinds of stuff. That the father was not proud of him. That's why he hid him and took him away. But whatever that story is, whatever was requested of him, David did. The blessing of God will always locate you when you are in obedience to the word of God. It doesn't matter what man is doing. They're trying to cover your glory. They're trying to hide you away. Whatever it is you think somebody is doing, let them do whatever they do. You just focus on God. Honor God in your life and every other thing will line up. It's a a statement of fact. The blessing of God located David in the backside of the desert. What was the story? The story was the prophet came to their house to anoint a king. They paraded everybody. David was not there and nobody cared to say, oh, by the way, there's one of us, the last born, nobody said anything. Everybody just kept mom. You know, if there's a king, he has to be amongst this one. He can't be that silly boy that doesn't really look like us. But God located him where he was. You know, a lot of times people feel, oh, they are not giving me, uh, they are not projecting me. You know, they, they are not letting me hold the microphone. Wherever you are, God will meet you there. Wherever you are, God will open that door of breakthrough. He will open it to you right there. I praise the Lord. You know, so when we see the example of David, and God also reveals his own heart about honor to us in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and the 30th verse. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. Listen to what the scripture says. This is God speaking here, speaking to Samuel. He said, therefore the Lord God, therefore the Lord, The God of Israel says, this is God speaking, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my praise. But I will honor those who honor me. And I will despise those who think lightly of me. This is God speaking. God is saying, I will only honor the people that honor me. In the introduction, we talked about the ways that we can honor God. We honor God through obedience. Yeah? We honor God with our humility. There are so many different ways we honor God. We honor God by our submission. It says, only those that honor me will I honor. No wonder that David, in fact, when David came from the field, imagine, He's been in the field with the sheep and the ghosts and, and everything. Israel is a desert. How do you think he was when he came? Filthy. Dirty. You know, all the brothers, they had to be cleansed before the prophet could even look at their faces. 
with all their cleansing and everything, when the prophet came, he rejected them. He said, the Lord has not chosen this one. The Lord has not chosen that one. When David came, his cleansing was an internal cleansing. He did not require a physical cleansing. Why? Because his heart was right with God. I can fake you. I, can, I mean, I can fool you. Right? I can make believe. I can do all kinds of things. But the one that we have to do with, everything is naked before him. He knows our hearts. He weighs our motives. That's the way he does his thing. So it doesn't matter the show that I put up. God knows what is in my heart. And he says, only those that honor me will I honor. We honor God when we obey the scriptures. Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, very simple, obey my commandments. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you love me, obey my commandments. Very simple. If you read the 16th verse, it says something. There's another con uh, conjunction word there. It says in verse 16, it says, and I will ask the Father. It means if you obey my commandments, then I will speak on your behalf to the Father. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, 3, it says, loving God means keeping his commandments. Can I tell you something this morning? When it comes to honoring God, you know, I've said it the past two Sundays now, that many people compartmentalize their lives. They say, my life at work, my life at this, my life at that. When it comes to honor, is it, is it, is it talks about the entirety of my life. In every area of my life. It's not enough to say, well, when it comes to church service, I will honor the Lord. But with this other thing over there, I will do what I like. It's a complete picture. It's a whole image. So honoring God is honoring him with the entirety of our lives and beyond. Romans chapter 14 verse 8, Romans 14 8 says, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. <laughs> and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. What he's saying is very, very simple. My very life I owe to God. So it doesn't matter whether I live or I die. What, whatever state I am, my life or even my life in death must be honorable unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Our lives, our intellect, our resources, everything, we must honor the Lord with it. I want to remind you, you know, in fact, that's what I intended to say first of all, but I forgot, but I remember now. Uh, many of us, the stimulus check is coming in, yes? yes. Why are you pretending? The stimulus is coming in. Don't be a consumer. Don't be a consumer. Whatever you invest, your principal is still yours. 
The return on investment is extra over what you invested. Invest. Don't say, ah, now that I let me go to town and buy designer clothes that nobody cares about. You know, you wear it, you think you are noticing, nobody sees you. It's the truth. <laughs> Many years ago, in my church, there was a lady who said, ah, we've not seen you in church. He said, I didn't have what you wear. That's why she didn't come to church. And in my mind, I was like, so what did you wear last Sunday? Do you even remember? If you don't remember, how many people here remember what they wore last Sunday? I don't. I really, I'm not taking count. I just look on the rack, I slap something on, I make sure everything is, you know, color coordination. And when I'm in doubt, I ask my wife and my daughters. They tell me, okay, it's okay. Okay, that's okay. I, leave. I can't even remember what I wore last Sunday. Why do you think anybody cares what you wore last Sunday? If you yourself, you don't remember. I praise the Lord. So stop trying to impress people that don't care. Amen. Uh, I said here, I said, I think many believers uh, struggle with scripture uh, because they think scripture is subjective. I I'm going somewhere with this this morning. You know that scripture is based on individual preferences. That is why during Bible studies, you, you can hear people say things like, I feel... Or I think, when it comes to scripture, what I feel, what I think is really not important. The real question is, what is the scripture saying to me? So, whatever the scripture is saying to me, that's the meaning of it. Not the meaning that I want to give to it. So, someone asked me a particularly important question after last Sunday's sermon. And I, I, I love it. I'm a teacher. You know, so I love when, when there are questions. Amen. And the question was centered around uh, Ephesians 5, verse 24. Ephesians 5, verse 24. If that's all we're able to do today, that will be fine. Uh, and I read. It says, as the church submits to Christ, so wise should submit to your husband, can we read it together? Okay, let's read the whole verse together. One, two, three, go. For the most part, she submits for the most part. In a lot of things. Submits in everything. I, I'm going I'm to tell you how I process scripture. It will help you too. Whenever I see a verse of scripture that I think, wow, in everything, can that possibly be everything? Maybe in some areas the wife will have some leeway. So when I see scriptures that kind of challenge what I think things should be, the first thing I do is I take that scripture and I compare it by translations. I look at several translations of the same verse. What am I looking for? I'm looking for alignment. So if all the translations, all the translators, they all say the same thing, then it means that's what it is. 
right? And I, did, I put this to that test. And the vast majority, it, the essence of the gist is submit in everything. So when I do that test, then the next thing I do is I say, okay, what's the original word that was translated everything? What's the Greek word? What's the Hebrew word? For this, the, Hebrew word, uh, the Greek word translated everything here is the word pass. Pass, and I put it in the note. The word pass. Pass means, watch this, it means to submit in all, any, every, the whole, in all manner of, by all means, always, anyone, daily, every, whatsoever. When you look at the Greek word, the Greek word says absolutely the wife ought to submit to her husband in everything. No what if not and buts about it. Amen. So here's what I, one of my response to the question the individual had asked. Because they were asking, okay, what about the example of Abigail and Nabal? We'll get to that in a minute. But watch this. The number one implication of this is for those that are not yet married, understand what the scripture commands. That you are to submit to your husband in everything. So I put in caps in the note. Do not marry a man you cannot submit to. So right now while you're dating, I, I love you, I love you, all, all, both of you, your eyes are rolling backwards and right side and left side and everything. If you cannot submit to him, don't, don't bother marrying him. Don't bother you know why? Very, very, very simple. The scripture commands that you obey him, you submit to him in everything. So if you marry someone you cannot submit to, you have positioned yourself to disobey God. You have positioned yourself to dishonor the word of the Lord. So don't do that. So I said, very important, do not marry someone you cannot submit to. But can I remind you that submission does not mean you can't think. Submission does not mean you're not intelligent. Submission simply means I'm yielding to honor Christ. I'm yielding to honor God. But again, when you read the scripture... It's important that you read scripture in context. You cannot read one verse of scripture and claim that you know everything that text is talking about. It's impossible. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine you pick up a book and then you say, ah, I like the number one, two, three. Then you open the, the book to page 123. I say, I always like anything number two. Then you read the first paragraph. And then you say, oh, I know the gist of this book. That's a lie. It's not possible. So anytime you read scripture and you don't read in context, what you're doing is you are giving yourself a pretext to say anything you want to say about that scripture. And that's why you hear 
a lot of interpretation of scripture, and you're wondering, is this the same Bible? So let's read it in context. The context starts from verse 22, right? Ephesians chapter 5, from 22 to 24. It says, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. That's very key. As to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husband in everything. So what is that talking about? That there are a number of assumptions here that the husband we are talking about is someone that is under Christ. That is why the Bible says, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, you know, it, it asks the question, it says, what does light have to do with darkness? So when you step outside of the faith, you say, oh, I love him. In fact, all those Christian brothers, they don't know what they are doing. They, they don't know how to talk to a woman. They don't know all the, this, all the, blah, 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 blah. That's Okay. But you must be ready to live with the baggage that comes with that thing that you're doing. Because for you, as a child of God, you must be obedient to the word of God. He, on the other hand, does not have to be obedient to it. Because he's not saved. He's not born again. He doesn't know what the scripture says. In fact, when you present the scripture to him, it's like, those ancient books are not relevant today. And then where do you go from there? But watch this. So the first thing I want you to understand, the context here is in the context of Christ. The context of Christ. There's an assumption that that man himself is submitted under Christ. And 1 Corinthians 7 tells us that. Uh, the man himself is submitted under Christ. So Christ is the head of the man, and the man is the head of his wife. Is a cascade. So if you give yourself to a man that is not submitted under Christ, don't come and make it sound like the scripture is too mean by asking that you must obey him in everything. Because the first choice you made in who to marry is what got you to that point. But he said, well, I'm already married to him. What do I do? Do I divorce him? No, that's not what the scripture teaches us. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you read from verse 12 to 16. Let's read very quickly. It said, now I will speak to the rest of you. Though I do not have a direct command from the Lord, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to continue living with him, he must leave, he must not leave her. It means they must remain together. So maybe you were both you both didn't know Christ when you got married. But now that you're married, you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. But your spouse is not saved. You know, what he's saying to you is, if your spouse is happy to be with you with your salvation, you can't say, I'm leaving. It's, ah, what has light got to do with darkness? No, you resolved that a long time ago. You were both in darkness when you came together. All right? So let's, let's, let's continue reading. Verse 13, he said, and if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer, 
and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife or husband brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children will not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't believer insists on living, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that the husbands might be saved because of you, and don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? What's he saying? He's saying when you have two, when you are unequally yoked, let me put it like that. When you're unequally yoked, you're married to someone that doesn't have the same set of beliefs in Christ like you have. The only choice left to you, if they decide to stay, they're happy. I love you, I love you. Whether born again or unborn again, I still love you. You know? So what you do from there going on is the manner of life you live is what is going to convict them to believe that the life you have is a better one than theirs. Watch this. What I've realized is people that are very close to you, it's difficult for you to preach to them. Because they know you. They like, come on now, Daniel, what are you talking about? <laughs> Didn't we hang out together? Well, well, are you saying you are holier than us now? They will challenge you that way. In fact, my friends did that to me many times. And because of them, I backslid many times. So I understood after a while that it is not my mission in life for their salvation. When, when God deems it fit, he will send the people that will help them. So I boycotted all of them. They called me, Koye, this. I said, I'm not going. I stopped hanging out with them because I saw that I was, I was not able to really influence them. But when you are married to this person, is your, your manner of life, the quality of life you're living is what will convince them that there's a change in your life. So if your husband or your wife knows you to be somebody that is hot-tempered before any morning, you know, say, I will not take nonsense from anybody. But now you're born again. They rub it on you. You know? That thing is coming. You can feel the volcano. The volcanic eruption is coming. You And then you took a hard swallow. I said, it is where? In Jesus' name. The spouse will be like, wow. Okay, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. He's watching you. She's watching you. Are you really who you say you have become? Are you really who you say you have become? And that is how you can bring a change in their lives. I praise the Lord. So let, let me come to Nabal and Abigail. He said, what about Nabal and Abigail? I said, yeah, what, what about them? The lesson from the example of Nabal and Abigail is don't marry a fool. Don't marry a fool. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, don't say, ah, ah, 
you know, he likes to go to church, it means nothing. What are his convictions? A fool has said in his heart that there is no God. There is no God. If the person you have entangled yourself with is always discounting God, step away from that relationship. It's a toxic one. The name Nabal or Nabal, Nabal is a Hebrew word that means stupid. It means foolish, as in a foolish man or a foolish woman. It means a vile person. A vile person. It means a wicked person that is impious. So, when you marry an impious person, you are married to a wicked person, you are married to someone that has said in their heart, there is no God. There's a problem there. Let me contrast us from the life of Abigail and Nabal. Or Nabal, however I say. Watch this. Watch this. I can almost guarantee, given the wisdom of Abigail, I can almost guarantee that Nabal was not his choice, was not her choice. Because back in those days, what they have is arranged marriages. You know? You remember the story of uh, Jacob and Leah. Jacob wanted Rachel, worked very hard for Rachel, and then on wedding night, Leah showed up. You know, they said she has lazy eyes. That's a politically correct way of saying she's not fine. But let's come back. Watch this. So back in those days, they arranged marriages. Nobody arranged my wife or me. I saw, I spoke, and I conquered. Nobody arranged anything. I praise the Lord. For the vast majority here that are married, I'm sure nobody arranged anything for you. Even if they introduced you, did they say by force you must marry the person? So I know a sister in such and such, and then they introduced you to the sister. Even if they say you must marry, do you not have the gumption to say, no, this is a fool? Praise the Lord. So we, we make our choices today. That is why the example of Nabal and Abigail does not really relate to us. So let's be careful how we choose examples. Because for you, whoever you are going to marry with open wide eyes, you are going to make that choice. After you have made the choice, remember you have to live with it. And don't make it a problem of scripture that, no, 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 no. I can't submit to this man. No, you chose him. You chose him. And I don't make me look like I'm a terrible person by sharing scripture with you. Because I did not choose who you married for you. You chose that person. The reason I'm saying this is this. It's important that we have a paradigm shift in our minds. And understand that the scripture 
is true. Uh, Pastor Abiola, earlier on when he was leading, he said the scriptures are already sharp. They are not going to be sharp when you remember it. It's already sharp. It's quick. It's quick. It's quick to perform, to bring about what was intended to be accomplished. Don't be a neighbor. And don't marry a neighbor. Don't marry a fool. It doesn't matter. He's six feet and five inches tall. He's heavy. He has a good job. He has all of those wonderful things. He has them. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He can have anything he wants to have. My short self, I was able to propose to my beautiful wife. She said yes. So it's not the height. It's not the looks. Oh, it's very handsome, very suave. But in fact, the suave is what is going to be the problem eventually. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. Your guiding principle in life, very simple. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be, this is King James Version. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Friends, even in the church, you have wolves in sheep's clothing. They know all the lingo. In fact, they have fake tongue. Shiki, shiki, shiki. Shuku, shuku, shuku. Shaka, shaka, shaka. Fake. No spirits behind it. Nothing. Nothing. And you know what I have realized? Watch this. Watch this. One of the things I've also found out is we always attract our kind. If you are faking it. <laughs> when you see the faker, you will fall in love. So fake plus fake is original fake. So seek, seek to be right with God. Seek to be right with God. Many years ago, my pastor told me. She said to me, she said, Pastor K, God is not wicked. I've held that onto that word for over 20 years now. She said, God is not wicked. God is not wicked. If you are true to him, he will not go hand you over to some useless somebody. In fact, if you are making a mistake, there will be something somewhere conscious, something that God is going to tell you, ah, maybe not. It will be a choice of your will to go ahead. Let me wrap this up very quickly. Think about these three questions. Prayerfully. I'm addressing those that are not yet married now. Because for those that are married, God will help us. <laughs> but watch this. Watch this. The fix, the fix is easier for those that are not yet married. The fix is easier. Watch this. When a person is speaking to you or you are speaking to someone, three questions. 
ask yourself about that person. Does he or she love God? The blank there is love. If he loves God, he will love you. Number two, does he or she fear God? If he fears God, he will treat you right. And because of that, if you want to know, so how do I know if he fears God? Come talk to me. I will, I will explain to you. Number three, is he or she teachable? If they are teachable when they are wrong, you can correct them. They, one of the most difficult people in life to deal with are people that think they know it all. You say, ah, bros, this thing you have done is not good though. You say, I know, the reason I did it is because. Ah, there's no because. You did it. There's something wrong about your mindset that is causing you to do wrong stuff. That's what you need to fix. Not, oh, the reason I answered him like that is because he was rude to me. If I don't have rudeness in me already, I don't have any rudeness to give to him back. So when he was rude to me, I would be confused. What did I do wrong? Why is he talking to me like this? Ah, Brother Debo, what did I do? You know, but if you yourself, you already have some heavy duty rudeness stuff in you. They give rude to you. You, ah, ah. you say, I'm, like, I'm not the type that goes home to get to reply. I give it to him right away. You already have. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Whatever is in you is what you are bringing out. Nobody is causing you to anything. It's not because of nobody. What it is already in you. When you now see an opportunity, you demonstrate it. Remember, I've said this many, 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 many times. <laughs> I laugh. You will know why I'm laughing when I finish now. I have said many times that a lot of people, the reason they seem righteous and holy is because they are broke. They cannot afford the sin. They don't have the money to implement the sin. <laughs> so in the season of stimulus check, and uh, I pray that the Lord will uphold you. And the Lord will keep you. You will not fall. Because of $20,000. Some people, that $20,000, $20, that's nothing. Where God is taking you is much greater than $20,000. Don't go crazy because of $20,000. That is what some people make per hour. Uh, the likes of Elon Musk, what do you think his per hour rate will be if you want to calculate it? Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. So, because you have some change in your pocket, don't go crazy. Where you are is not the best place you can be in life. 
there's a place God is taking you. You have not arrived. Where? Maybe you think, I have not arrived. I'm still coming. I thank God for where I am, but there's a better place I'm going. Rise to your feet. Why don't you lift up both hands? We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.